Welcome back to Mummy Matters. This week, our guest is a mum who found her purpose by starting her own coaching business called Ripple Touch. Want an insight into the world of motherhood? Stay tuned as we discuss the journey in its entirety with no frills attached. I'm so excited to introduce to you Dara Shah. Thank you, Raki, for inviting me. Um, so, I'm Dara. I have my own coaching business, which is Ripple Touch. Um, As a person, I'm an NLP life coach um, and my business offers two two parts. There's two parts to the business, if you like. One-to-one personal coaching, Mm -hmm. and that's that's one area. And the second part is providing health and wellbeing services in GP practices. Um, Set up the business, which came about in 2019, and we kind of got, I got up and running 2020. So I think that's when, yeah, when lockdown happened. Yeah. Um, so interesting journey. So before that, I have two children, Sianna, who is te- who's just turned four. So she was born in 2018, July. I then obviously did mat leave. I returned to work a year, a year later, I want to say, but I fell pregnant again. And I found out in December of the year she was born with my second not planned didn't (laughs) even anyway so that happened um so basically what ended up happening I was working in banking at the time I was I was off on maternity leave with Sienna I fell pregnant again I went back for three months um was offered voluntary redundancy I took it because I'd done 10 years um and then I went on maternity leave um with Dean who is going to be three this month so um and then November of that year he was born ripple touch kind of came about so um a full-on journey for the last I kind of throwed myself in it since Dean was born so 2019 I would say yeah amazing that's me how did you think up of ripple touch like what went through your mind because obviously you have had your little ones Mm. Um, what 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 kind of went was going through your head at the time? Like, did you so, want to go back into an employment as such, or did you want to just start your own business? Or so as a professional, I've always wanted to work on my own, um, and VR kind of gave me the baseline because in my head I was thinking, right, this is going to give me X number of um, months so that I'm paid in effect. Yeah. Um, and if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. That was my professional head. My mum head bearing in mind I'd already done 12 months maternity, I wouldn't have said I'm a, I don't know what you call it, a natural mom. It's not, I'm not particular. I mean, before kids, I wasn't one who was particularly like, oh, I, wanna, I love kids. I want to spend time with them. Kids were just kids. I, I mean, ne- nieces, nephews, I mean, I'd love to play with them, but I was quite happy. I wasn't particularly broody about it. Yeah. Um, then I'd done my maternity leave. Um, and to be honest, the beginning three, six months, maybe, maybe less than six months, for me, it was quite monotonous um, because of the pace of life I'd had in banking. You know, I was covering multiple areas. I was traveling. I was, you know, I was coming home and I'd be working. I was like super absorbed in my work, right? Mm-hmm. And then to go to from that, had a great pregnancy great 
even had the great birth, but um, to then go to feeding, cleaning nappies, cleaning, burping, you know, the constant, like, it didn't use none of my brain. Like, I was just like, right, there's got to be more to life. You know, know, after six months, they start moving, they're talking, they're more interactive, and it's great, but a part of me felt quite dull. And I think that's, when I reflect now, I think that's where it starts from. And then obviously I fell pregnant in December. Mm. So it was like, my body's recovering. I'm now not recovering, I'm growing again. Um, And at the time it was, I remember um, the day before I'd gone to a yoga class. I just thought, right now's the time I'm gonna start getting back into shape, you know, end of the year, start the new year running. I went to a yoga class and I gave it my all. Yeah. The next morning, I felt like a card run over me and I was thinking something doesn't feel right. So obviously you do the test and whatever else and we found out I was pregnant. Now, part of me, if I'm being honest, was like, shit. Yeah. Wow, I've got to do all of this again. Yeah. Part of me was really happy because the practical had me thinking, God, two together, close together, crack it out. Ain't having any more. It was almost like this is not happening again. We're not making this mistake again, if you like. Um, and and did it. So I was already quite torn, but just the concept of I'm gonna have to do this maternity leave again. Um, kind of daunting. Um, so then got pregnant, growing. Sienna's still small, really small. Yeah. She didn't start nursery till 10 months. So obviously that was already a strain. I was quite exhausted. So in that respect, when I think about it, it was good I wasn't working. Hmm. Um, but on the flip side of it, I, I was dulling. Yeah, because there was nothing else in my life. Yeah, I couldn't go out and recover my body. I was pregnant. I was looking after a baby and you know enjoying those interactive moments but all the other crap I mean what I was looking forward to was oh while she's having a nap I'll go and do the washing load and I'll clean this bit up and I'll do this and it's like wow and then it got to the point when we got to Dean and Dean was due bearing in mind I'd just done I'd gone back into work for three months yeah um it was almost like I found my life again yeah I'm pregnant for three months, I was like, I'm working, I'm in it. I, I probably did so much work in that three months. It's almost like I was catching up on that time I'd lost in my head. Then VR came. <coughs> and I was like, I've, I, I've got to take it. Because if I don't, I'm never, ever, ever going to pursue something different. It's never going to happen. So I took the punt and, you know, my husband was supportive and it kind of, made things a little bit simpler in that respect because we were going to have Dean and the business I work for were really um, generous because they accommodated my maternity pay as well as my VRP. Um, so it was just so incentivized that it just made sense to do it practically. Yeah. Emotionally, um, having had Dean, um, I think not just for me, but for my husband as well, it dawned on us the intensity of having two really young children because at this point Sianna's what um 13 months just under and then I've got a brand new baby so Sianna is um developing 
in her own right. So she needs that nurturing, that attention. And then we've got a brand new baby. Yeah. Like it, it really strained us, strained us as a person already. And I was already feeling strained, but strained us in our relationship because we weren't a partnership. Mm. We were literally mum and dad. That was the only role we were really playing. And obviously he had his work. Now, by this point, mm. it almost became like my this house was my domain and nobody could interject in it. What I said needed to happen in my head. That's how it felt. Um, and if it got disrupted, I used to become so irate about it. Like, why can't you put this away? Why can't you do this? I'm doing this here. Why can't you just put it properly? Like, it was just nitpicky behavior. Yeah. And that isn't me. And it wasn't me prior to kids mm. right and that's when I started to realize that something doesn't feel right and when I reflected it was easy to blame him because my initial reaction was you get to go to work you get seven hours where you get to be an adult you get to have adult conversation you got to do your work yeah great but you get out and be something else that isn't a being a parent and I'm here not only am I breastfeeding, I'm giving my boobs out to, you know, I'm physically changing. I physically yeah. changed. I am mentally, I'm, I'm brain dead. And the best way I could probably um, describe it is I felt like a doormat. Initially, I felt like somebody else had made me the doormat. Mm. But actually, I'd, I'd become the doormat of my own doing. Um, and it was, it was so difficult because I, I came to realize that something had to change. And the biggest epiphany of my life is that if I want to be the best version of being mom, I had to find my own individual identity and purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's probably the thing <clears throat> that kind of hit home to me that, you know, we have so many roles in our life. Yeah, we can reel them off, right? And often when I do this kind of work with people, they will reel off. I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm a professional, I am this, I am that. They can reel it off. And yet they all forget the most obvious role in life. Nobody ever names themselves. Nobody ever says Dara or Aki. And that's the role that feeds everything else. First thing we let go of is ourself because we think oh no but I need to be there for my, my my child it's my responsibility you know we've brought this child into this world yeah you have but that person who brought it in was you you as a person it didn't just a role appear you created that role right yeah so you know we talk about this concept of I feel guilty. Why should I be thinking about this? This baby's helpless. They can't do anything. They're not, you know, they can't, they can't look after themselves. Yeah, but you can't look after mum if you don't look after you. And that's the biggest thing I, I, I kind of check in with myself. It's that reframe of thinking of what does it take for me to be the best version of me so then I can be the best, but I can give the energy I need to give that best version of mum. And that's the thing that I kind of ask myself all the time. Now, not every mum or parent is going to think, oh, well, actually, I agree with that. Some people feel that their purpose 
they are energized by being that mum figure. And that is their core purpose. That's what they want. That's their purpose. That's what they've always wanted. And there is nothing wrong with that. What I am saying is asking yourself the question, what is my purpose? What is making me fulfilled? And is it making me happy? Is the question that we miss yeah. the most. And if you then choose, I want to be a house a person. I want to be a full-time mom. It's what I want. Or I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start my own business. Or you know what? I want to work for a business and I want to switch off from it and I want to come home and then I can be mom again. That doesn't matter what that looks like. But simply knowing that's where you want to be by choice, not out of um, demand or necessity, allows you to stay closer to recharging yourself and filling your cup up as an individual. Um, you know, yes, we have responsibilities, financial, children, all of these things. But ultimately, all those roles that you have, if your self becomes impacted, whether that's physically or mentally or both, because they all work together, right? Your mind influences, it shows up in your body physically, you know, stomach inflammation because of stress or something else, or, or you have a physical condition that impairs your resilience in your mind. They, they work unison. They yeah. both have to be kept healthy, right? So, you know, you have to recognize that if they're not being nurtured, you are not going to be able to go out to go to work. You are not going to be able to um, be that best parent or mother, right? So unless you start putting yourself first in the pecking order, yeah. maybe most of us, women probably need to even put ourselves on the pecking order first of all before even getting it to the top um mm -hmm. yeah. then you're going to start looking after it yeah Absolutely. the only the only thing that is the anomaly here in my eyes is, is we all have different limits so some will have a limit of six months or six days some will be six years down the line but if you keep repeating it eventually at different points in all of our lives you will have your version of what i call my crash you could call it anxiety. You might call it depression. I don't think I was depressed. I think I had my lowest point in my life. That's how I want to reframe it in my mind. And that lowest point in my life gave me the opportunity to pick myself up with purpose and healthy boundaries, whether that is with my children, my husband, or my work. One thing now, I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel any level of guilt anymore. I mean, they say, don't it? Once you hit the, the lowest level that you're at, the only way is up. You can't go anywhere else. So, you know, exactly. work your way up. And sooner you acknowledge that and acknowledge where you are and why you are where you are, what's missing, you can then do something about it. But I think, interestingly, we struggle with that because what we do is we know what we want, maybe, but then comes the consequence of those decisions. And those consequences are not always good. There are bad consequences or not so great consequences and society and culture and your background and your family dynamics sometimes become the reason why we don't make that decision. And we think we say, and, and all you mums out there, I apologize if this takes any offense, but we say it as well, I can't because, you know, my family, my this, we have a reason for me. Uh, that's my excuse. I'm making that excuse for myself to justify my belief system that I cannot do it. And when you stop and think, actually, I can, but I have to accept the consequence that I'm probably going to piss people off. 
right? Am I willing to take that consequence? Does it mean that just because their background and, and, and the way that they've been brought up, they're not gonna agree with it, but that doesn't necessarily make it wrong and it might make them feel uncomfortable. Am I willing to take tackle that battle for that happiness for me? Yeah. You then have to make that decision. It hasn't been hunky-dory. I mean, me and my husband have had some pretty tough times, but do you know what? It may, it's, it's corny as it is. We are stronger for it and we've got healthy boundaries now. And you know, I, I say this and I say this truly, there is nothing in my kid's life other than combing Sienna's hair. <laughs> there is nothing that, that I do that he can't do, nothing. And that's because I've, I've wanted to set that boundary. And that's because I've been fortunate to have that person with me who encourages that way of thinking, because that makes a difference too. Yeah, definitely. Right? Because unless that other person's there to, to support you, encourage you, or, or flex with you, it, it's not an easy journey. Yeah, you need progressive people around you. I think that's yeah. the thing. Behind, there's a saying, behind yeah. every successful woman, there is a progressive man. I cannot remember off the top of my head who yeah. that was that said it, but it is super true. Yeah. Behind every successful woman, there is a progressive man. What kind of, what kind of boundaries have you set, first of all? And how have you okay. it? So we, so one of the boundaries we talked, well, one of the kind of agreements that we had was when lockdown happened, we could have sat down and said, lockdown's happened, Vish is at home now, so he's going to be working and I've just got to look after the two kids. Instead, we devised our timetable so that he got his block time to do his work. He had to make adjustments with his work and he was able to, mm. which then gave me designated boundary time that I was left to go and do build my business while he looked after the kids. We planned it. And I, when I say planned it, I mean, you, we had a calendar, we had a piece of paper, we blocked out time, right? We make a point to regularly sit down and talk about um, check-ins. So we sit down and we'll say, right, so have you had time for yourself this week? Have you gone and seen your friends? Have you, what have you done, mm -hmm. right? We check in at those points to say, okay, what's happening? And if I'm feeling like there's something that doesn't feel right for me, we're communicating that and those when I say boundaries is that we learn to understand how we want to be approached um, a great way to do that is there's a love language quiz um, and it tells you what the other person how they want to be loved right mm -hmm. so we tend to love somebody because in the way that we want to be loved but actually a successful, for me, a successful relationship is understanding how that other person wants to be loved and them understanding how you want to be loved. So my love language is if he does a few things for me around um, uh, that help me out here and there when I'm having a really, really intense day, that shows me that he loves me in the way that I want to be loved. Whereas my husband's love language is completely different. It's more verbal. And so therefore we make a point to make sure that happens, mm. right? But we have continual checking points. Um, and the boundaries we set is with the kids, any decision that makes, we have our individual opinion, but whatever decision we decide to, whether it goes with his opinion or my opinion, that becomes our opinion. Every discussion with the kids is collective. We give permission to each other that, if one's not being present while we're with the kids or something like that, then we give permission to be able to tell each other that, yeah? Because sometimes, you know, 
something that comes up into my mind is, you know, sending a kid to 10 months in nursery, most a Asian parents, my parents for sure, were like, well, we can look after them. Yeah, you can, but you're not gonna be able to give them the stimulation that yeah. they need, right? And, you know, that can be a big taboo for some, for some parents and some families, right? Yeah. But what we really come to recognize, it's not about how much time, for us as a family, it's not about how much time you spend with your children. For us, it's about the quality of time. If you give yourself half a day, but you're constantly on your phone, picking up phone calls, doing this, doing that, then for me, that doesn't feel right. I'd rather give an hour to that chat, to my kids, that I know I'm 100% present, my phone's nowhere near me, and I'm there, then give them half a day. And that's where then you have time to create purpose for you because you're not feeling that guilt of, oh, I haven't spent any time with my children. My kids go to nursery from eight till 4.30. They come home. When they come home, it's very rare unless something crops up randomly to do with work. It's very rare that many people will be able to get in touch with us because we're there with the kids. Read books, play with them, eat, whatever it is. And then when you think about time as quality, you then recognize, well, actually I can only give two hours. I've got five hours, but I've only got two hours. That three hours where I'm not present with them, what can I do that stimulates them, but then gives me that three hours for me to go and do what I need to do? Whether that's running on a treadmill, doing adult coloring, listening to a podcast while you're cooking the dinner. I don't know what that is, but we all have the time. Yeah. it's how you're using it and it's making what? that time as well like I've said it before in one of my other episodes that we always schedule time for other things like whether it's meetings or you know meeting people or you know doing things we always schedule it in but we never schedule time for ourselves it's always like oh we'll get everything done if we have time then we'll get this done but it's yeah. never like proper scheduled time like okay from this time to this time I'm doing this yeah. for myself with no distractions like we never do that no, you don't. How many people look at their week diary and say, right, okay, where have I got time for me and my friends? Where's the opportunity? Where's the time where I'm going to spend some quality time with my husband? Where's the quality time where we're going to collectively spend time with family? Where's the quality time? No, they don't. They, you're right. They schedule all the engagements for meeting, 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 cleaning, me to do this, this task, shopping, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Right? And then when you do these things, it comes from a place of need yeah have to must do it doesn't come from a place of compassion love want to like to when we do something with like to want to you will sustain it for a lot longer because you're not making a demand from it and actually from experience when you with people I've worked with in my own life when you demand something of yourself and it comes from a place of force if you like that's where you get those moments where that exhaustion happens, that um, overwhelm, that anxiety, that lack of resilience, impatience. You, you almost like, oh, why am I being impatient about this? Why am I being snapping with my kids? But then guilt comes in. You feel guilty and then you're on that cycle. And, and again, not every day is perfect. I am not saying my world is perfect, but I know where I am, where I want to be in my life, in my, in my family life. And I'm going to take the good and bad with it. It's not, it, there's no, there's no perfection. There is no perfection. Um, it's being satisfied in where you are. And the only way you're going to do that is being able to satisfy 
yourself as a person as an identity as well as those other bits that you do in your life professionally as a parent and and all these things I think with that as well you need to have moments where you're doing things that bring spark into your life like whatever that may be stuff that gets you that makes you happy because I think it's very easy to be doing things that you have to like you're saying you have to do um but then that's what's actually going to make your lifestyle really monotonous like you're just not going to enjoy it you're just going to do it because you have to do it there's nothing like that's going to bring spark into your life um and for me this is what this is like you know talking to you guys um you know doing my mommy blog um all of that that brings spark into my life so there's times like i will get up at silly times just to get things done but it doesn't feel like a chore because of the fact that you know i enjoy it and there's this thing isn't there that if, if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life yeah and it's so true and that that's what it is it's it's just about finding those moments that and finding out exactly what makes you tick and then putting them into your you know daily thing like i i do that i've started doing that because just like you i was at a stage where i was just like oh my god this is like endless like every day is the same routine over and over again and then by the end of it i'm like shattered and i was like this is a what for what for nappies feeding and exactly exactly there's nothing to it but it's just this thing about you know there's nothing there that just sparks you so now i make it an active choice every day i have to do something even if it's just 10 15 minutes something where it just you know brings me back again aligns me again and it's helping me so far like i feel it i feel such a difference and it's minor it's really minor like literally yeah but you know what you're describing is that the concept of filling your own cup up we fill up all the cups in our life we forget to fill the cup up in yours and that 10 minute you get every single day if that is not only doing it for you but you know mums out there thing i would say to you just by you demonstrating filling your cup up you are teaching your child the lesson of life this is not something you can read and be educated on they will experience it they will see that their mom looks after herself and so she can look after me that is the best lesson that you can teach your child in the world that we live in that it's really okay and acceptable for you to look after yourself that self-care the self-love to fill your cup up do something that makes you smile kids are intuitive they understand they don't need words they see it they experience it and they feel it and if you can demonstrate that in day-to-day life that you as a mom can it can take time out for yourself and it's okay to and explain to them mommy needs a bit of time best lesson ever yeah ever because that they'll take that everywhere in their life and they'll respect you more for that as well this is the thing about it that they will respect your time exactly respect who you are as a person they look up to you and that i think that's the biggest kind of compliment you can get if your children are there and you're literally like they're they're looking up to you and they're taking an active role in making you feel happy like they know that oh okay mommy needs this time to feel happy they'll they'll understand i get a happier mom like it's a win-win situation for me exactly all the kids that enjoy that enjoy a, a parent who is less snappy you know who makes time for them like you're saying quality time like when you're with your child um yeah you can answer those emails like easy sit on your phone and do it now but it's not gonna it's not gonna you're not gonna gain anything from it apart from answering a, a few you know emails or whatever but the time you spend with your child that's going to actually build so many connections with them it's going to teach them so much and yeah. in time it will actually affect 
who they are. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest, biggest thing that, you know, as a mother, if you sit there with mom guilt, like we all have it, right? We all go through it. Yeah. But I think recognizing that mom guilt's gonna be there and being able to not let that get to you, I think that's that's gonna help as all us moms. I don't know, is there a way that you kind of go get over your mom guilt that you go through? So so I'm gonna reframe that if, if that's okay. Yeah. I wonder whether if we looked at mum guilt as just something that makes us feel uncomfortable. Because the language you're using is already got a negative con connotation. Language plays a massive part in our life and reframing simply your language can change everything. So um, I practice reframing guilt for uncomfortable. Everything we do, when you are pregnant, when you have your child for a year or however long you've had them off for maternity, whatever that looks like, everything you've done is done through repetition. Mm -hmm. There'll be a first time, but you would have repeated it again and again and again and again. It's habitual. It becomes a habit, right? The concept of mum guilt, the more you repeat it, the more it becomes reinforced. Yeah. However, that concept of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable if mum guilt, you can reframe it, say, do you know what? I don't feel guilty. I'm just feeling uncomfortable because I'm not used to it. Eventually it will, it will just go down because it's not guilt. It's just uncomfortable. And when you're uncomfortable, that means you're having growth. That's where you are growing as an individual, whether it's developmental, professionally, personally, it doesn't matter, you're getting growth. Um, so I would say, try and reframe as a first point of call to say, I'm actually feeling really uncomfortable because I'm not, you know, for the last year, I haven't had to think about me. I've not made myself a priority, but now I'm feeling uncomfortable because I am now thinking about me. Okay. And that's probably where I will probably look at it. I mean, we talk about language, you know, when, when a child says, mommy, I can't do this. And if you simply just put in yet, it changes the whole sentence. It gives hope. It's not about giving that child, you can do it. No, because that could create pressure. Mm. But you, what you're saying to them is, okay, fine. It's okay that you can't do it now. You will be able to do it eventually. At some point, it gives hope. It gives options. It doesn't make it a definitive close. And simple things like that then gives you, you know, when we practice, I can't do this. And I'm, it's it, this, for this reason, it's not happening. You, you are repeating that to yourself. You are training your mind. You are programming your mind to, to focus simply on what is not possible. And all that energy you have is going into a place where it's not moving you anywhere. Mm. Whereas if you simply ask yourself, okay, fine, this isn't possible. Let me write it down. These are all the things that are on my mind and these are the things I want to do. Right, which one of these are out of, are my non-controllables? What am I left with? These are the things I can control. Right, what one next step do I need to take that's gonna help me just move that little bit further forward for me? And I think it's hard, but practicing those simple things will help you move forward. When you're stuck and all you're focused on is stuck, like a camera lens, you're focusing and all you see is stuck. That's all you see. Whereas if you simply zoom out a little bit, you see stuck, but you see some other options. It gives you hope, it gives you options. And that's how I could probably say it. And that's how I'll probably describe how I made the choice to turn it around.
That's not to say the challenges haven't happened. That's not to say that there's been difficult moments. That's not to say there's been conflict with relationships, but it was all acceptable because I knew for me, it was the right thing to do so that I could be a good mom. I would say that sometimes when we think about change, we want to do something quite drastic. Mm. And then it almost feels like a big, it almost turns into a task and you make it happen, right? So then that concept of where's it coming from? Is it a demand or is it coming from a, a place of want to? Um, and then if it becomes a task, then what happens is something will happen and it will throw you off and they'll be like, oh, that didn't work. Whereas if you take something really, really small and take a small change, even if it's simply sort of saying, well, I'm going to, every time I say to myself, I can't, I'm going to catch myself. I'm going to say, no, actually, what can I do? I'm going to change that, 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 that statement. Um, and, and that simple thing with repetition, you are not only verbalizing that, that change in terms of your approach, you are teaching your mind to see the possibilities which you haven't probably already done for a very long time, mm. you know? Um, and, and, and that's probably where I would start. I would start small for my experience. Don't try and do too much too big because then it becomes quite, quite big and too much to handle. Whereas if you do small shifts, um, I think it works because you're giving your, your mind and your body time to adjust to a, something foreign that you haven't done, that uncomfortableness. Feel it, but it doesn't have to be so intense and overwhelming yeah um it's just finding your your limit i think over time as well you kind of not get used to it but you kind of like it's there and you know it's there but yet it's not gonna affect you to the same level yeah as maybe like if it's if, if it's like like you're saying if it's like on your mind all the time that like, oh god i've not given my my kids time or i've got to go to work for example i'm leaving my kids yeah. you know things like that like little things like you have to go to work in order to you know pay your bills it's fine like the kids will be fine they're, they're healthy they're you know looked after they'll be fine I think that that kind of mentality because as mums we want to do it or we want to create that safe haven for like our kids and you know have that perfect family life and and you know I think a lot of a lot of moms have this expectation that everything's going to be really really good it's going to be really like before they go into motherhood I've spoken to loads of mom I think I was there as well like you know everything's going to be like so easy everything's going to be like looked after there's going to be no like compromising and then obviously everyone has to compromise and you know see reality that actually you have to work at it it's not something that's just going to come easy um exactly and it's that having that ability to uh, I think we think structure and routine it's defined but actually it's there as a starting point and then practicing that ability to adjust so almost like saying well I'm going to have to nip out I've had, this is dropped on me for my business I need to go and do this but what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I cut off at this point and when I'm home that's it doesn't matter what comes I'm just going to take the consequence whatever happens with that and and it's almost saying that to yourself so that your brain starts learning what actually needs to be happening you know a great way to do this is um, and to reassure yourself like one affirmation I use with the kids especially before they go to bed I always say to them um, you are healthy, you are happy, and you're strong, right? But I'm not just verbalizing it to them. My brain's hearing it. Yeah. I'm affirming it for myself. And sometimes it's simply those habits that are really important that it's not hard to do. It's not costly. It's not strenuous. It's just the repetition of doing it. Yeah. You know, and simply being able to say to them, you know what, today, I'm not going to clean. Who cares? I bet you 99.9% .9 of the houses were like, oh my God, I need to clean, it's disgusting. They're clean. 
right? But we set such a high standard for ourselves, the standard we used to have when we didn't have kids, and you're expecting to maintain it without actually understanding and being compassionate yourself. Now I've got children. Yeah. Let it go. What's going to happen? What is going to actually happen if there's a bit of dust? I say it will build their immunity. <laughs> well, because what else is going to happen? If you have to pick up a takeaway or like the food isn't the best, like it's not like a that bad shack rotli tonight. And you know what I mean? Like who cares? Yeah. Are, are, they, are we all healthy? Are we all happy? Are we all strong? Are we where we want to be? Yeah, we are. Bathroom can wait. You know, it's not important. Who are you doing it for? I'm quite housewife. So when people come in around, I'm like right there, you know, want to clean it. But there's points where I just think, this is our working family home. If you want to come in it, you are absolutely welcome. If it looks like a shit fit, it looks like a shit fit because, because I've got two young kids. Go with it, you yeah. know? And sometimes you have to have that lax behavior for, so that you can live. Yeah. I think otherwise you just end up, you have that never ending. Never There's end. always something. Yeah, yeah. Always. I mean, I've got three kids and they're all, they're all under nine, right? Fair play to you. But, <laughs> but literally I'm like, I need a playroom where I can just chuck all the toys in, chuck everything and shut the door. I don't have to look at it. I go, until I get that, there's going to be toys everywhere. I'm going to have to be constantly picking things up. And it's, it's about the thing, but it's jokes because I always laugh about this, that my kids don't remember to put their toys away properly, but they know like every single like passcode of every single device in the house. And it just goes to show that they're so used to just playing with things and just, you know, now they also tells you they're intelligent, they're resilient. Yeah, yeah. they know if they don't do it, someone's gonna end up doing it, right? Mommy's gonna end up they're clever, right? They're fine. smart kids. <laughs> they didn't come pre-programmed, you know. They've observed this. Yeah. They're a baby. So yeah, I mean, I honestly the pressures that we put ourselves is just where do you think that pressure comes from? Do you think it's it's what we've seen our like sort of parents and grandparents do? Is it something that you know, society is like showing us, is it? I mean, all of the above. I think, you know, society, um, you know, Instagram, social media, this perfect image, you know, that one second of a snapshot of this perfect family that you get, you don't know what's happened before then and you don't know what's happened afterwards. It's, n it's a second that you've taken. That's not the image, but that in somebody else's mind who's already struggling is thinking, we don't have that. But then when we make that comparison, you are feeling somewhere, maybe feeling you will describe yourself as feeling here. And yet you're comparing yourself to somebody's up here right now in that one second snapshot. You know, social media plays a massive part. You know, as parenting, my time, I would say 90 percent of who I am, my values and my beliefs were influenced by my family. Right. Kids now, I cannot say that as a parent, you have that much influence. You don't. Right. Um, culture expectation you know I mean how many times have you heard that for you Asian mums out there right you can't do this who says you can't yeah. you say you can't because that's what you were taught maybe and you have to be able to respect that they they are telling you what they have been taught right but you have to then think to yourself that's what they've done which bits do I want to take from that which I agree with right so for me this concept, I'll, I'll give you an example. Niwa, like doing prayers and stuff like that, right? So it has to be done every single day, always done. And In my household, we have a temple, we have a mandir and we use it, but we make a point. If 
we don't make a point to do it every single day. If our heart makes us happens and we get the urge to go and do it, we will do it. If my kids come out the shower and they want to go to the room and say hello to Jeje, they'll say hello to Jeje. It's not compulsory. So I'm maintaining culture, but I'm maintaining the culture in my eyes for me in our family is when it comes from the heart, that is when it's the best, not because it needs to be done. Mm. Yeah. And with that, you get disappointment from parents and grandparents and all the other stuff that you do. But, you know, selfish, maybe probably what people would say, depending on who you speak to. But does it work for you as a family and you, you as an individual? Does it sit with your values and beliefs? If it does, it doesn't have to make it be wrong. Mm. It's just got to be, it might just be different because the world that we live in now is very different from the world that they lived in. And, and, and I, I often say this, you may not agree with something that I am doing. And I, I respect that. But what I am asking you to do is respect. That's our decision. And that's that boundary piece. It's being having that communication, acknowledging, right, you know, I understand where you're coming from. But I'm asking you, you may not agree with it, but I'm asking you to respect that. And there'll be toxicity. There'll be challenging converse, conversations in that. And then you have to sit and decide as a, as a couple, as a family, where do you draw the line? How do you expose yourself less to certain people that you know that are not bringing you the, 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 the happiness or the relationship that you want in your life? And it's hard mm. because certain people in your life are not by choice. And it's not that you don't love them, but you just can't take them in the quantity that they want to expose themselves to you. And you have to create that boundary because it's that goes back to that piece. You're better off spending less time with that other person externally, whether that's family, friends, and, and being able to be present and tolerant of their behaviors and, their, and respecting them as a person than exposing yourself in day in, day out, getting really irate with them. Then you shut the door, come home, and then you're both bickering between each other and hashing it out. This happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. And then that toxicity between you is not helping anybody. And that's a real hard concept for people to believe or understand. But with repetition, people do get used to it. Yeah. You know, my mum and dad are, are very introverted people. They don't go out very much, not sociable. They don't do any of that. And I respect that. And to be, to be honest, I'm kind of like that. It's only my husband's brought something different to me and he's more extrovert and we've had to find our balance. Mm. And, you know, my dad's expectation would be, you know, every single day, you know, every day you've got a phone, every weekend we must see you. And that's a big pressure, right? Do we go and see them? Yeah, most Sundays we'll go for breakfast, but some Sundays we make a choice not to go. And it's healthy for them because then they don't have that expectation that it's set in stone and it's always going to happen. Yeah, they may not like it, but my dad and mom respect it because that's the way and the world that we live in now. You know, kids have activities, you know, you want to go away with your friends, you have holidays, you know, it can't be that defined. And it's not that simple. There's so many other exposures that, you know, they have. Um, and I think that's the challenge it is. And it, if you're expecting it to be all smooth running, it's not going to be, but you have to be prepared for that. Yeah, a clear understanding of what it is you guys want as a family, but also um, the consequence of, what, of those decisions that you are going to make and sticking to them. Because topping and changing then makes creates mixed messages. Same way it does with kids, it does with adults as well. Yeah, and that's when I say those healthy boundaries is respecting 
maybe you don't agree, but it's respecting yeah. that. And I that's think it's one of these things I think a lot of people struggle with. I yeah. think it affects a lot of family dynamics as well. And it I does. Think, Tension. Yeah. So if there's any tips that you probably have about setting those boundaries in particular, then... Tips, I would say, is be really clear about what it is that you're trying to achieve, what you want to have happen. Be clear about what the potential consequences are. So consider other people that it's going to impact and how it may impact. You can never know. It's almost like a calculated risk. And then ask yourself the question, based on the consequences that we could face, so we might offend them, but then they might get distant from me or might not see them as often, or um, they, may make, they may make remarks to me and make me feel like I'm doing something wrong. When you recognize those consequences, you can either choose to accept them or not accept them. Mm. It cannot be anything in between because you have to accept the other person in front of you. The same way that you're asking them to respect your decision, you have to respect that they are going to react in a particular way. Yeah. Right. So then you need to think about, okay, so how do I minimize that guilt or uncomfortable feeling, I would say, um, so that I can maintain this boundary? You've got to be clear why you're doing it, what's it going to give you, how you're going to do it, and the consequence it can have. If you're willing to accept that, then you take the step and know that it's not going to be easy. But you know you're doing it for all the right reasons. Yeah. And it takes practice and it takes. You know, some ways it doesn't work. Some days, you know, sometimes you have to adjust. Sometimes certain situations require that the boundary has to go out the window as a one-off, but it's really important to put that boundary back in. I guess it's some of it is you being able to learn to control to move again, moving that boundary around and, and, and communicating it. Simply just going and doing it. Remember, there's an impact to everybody around it. Everybody has wishes and dreams, grandparents, parents. Everybody has dreams, right, of what it's going to be like. Yeah. And we have to try and understand that. But it doesn't have to be at the, at the expense of your well-being. If you know certain people are coming to your home and you feel like on edge, that's not healthy. You need to look into that stuff. And you need to ask yourself why and communicate that with your partner. I mean, like I said to you, I'm, I'm very fortunate that we are on the same wavelength because we talk about it. I cannot say that we both agree all the time, 100% not. And he comes from a very different background and I come from a very different background. But if you can talk about it in a safe space, you can navigate better. Yeah. You know, having that second person support for me is invaluable. I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have him. Mm. Um, because it's okay for me to challenge. And I, I'm, I'm in a safe space, which gives me permission to articulate rawly exactly how I'm feeling or, or, or want to happen. And I love challenge. That's the person I am. I want somebody to push back at me. I can't have somebody who's just going to say, oh, yeah, it's okay. Because somewhere on that line, that person's probably feeling suffocated because you're constantly taking control of everything. So you have to be aware of that other person too, right? Yeah. It's a complex thing, but I would always say start simple. Stop trying to overcomplicate it. Mm. Um, and, and acknowledge, take the consequence it is. The biggest thing we struggle with is we want to make a decision, but we don't want to accept the consequence yeah and that's the that's the problem because as soon as you start acknowledging and accepting the consequence you become more empowered and trusted in your own decision you then think you know what I, I trust my decision I know it's the right thing and it's okay if the whole world is against that I'm not hurting anybody harming anybody intentionally I'm doing what I need to do to protect me and my family you know it's funny it's you say that because I've started I've actually for a while now we've been doing it with the kids 
And I have this thing in the house that you make your decisions and you live by the consequences. And so literally the kids, the kids have grown up with this thing that, okay, you know, I can act naughty. I can not listen, but then there is going to be a consequence and they have to live by that. And obviously it's, it's really minor what they do. It's nothing compared to the adult life. Right. But putting that in place, it, I think it just helps them understand and value the fact that my every action will have a reaction. So when I go out in the real world, if I want to act a certain way, that's fine. But I have to own that action. I have to Correct. make sure, you know, it's, it's, and I guess that's the same with adults. Like we have yeah. to just appreciate the fact that there will be consequences to our actions, but it's how much you're willing to own what you're doing. Like if you seriously cannot be bothered with the reaction that you're going to get and nothing else is going to matter, would you say go with the reaction that you have? Or would you say, kind of hone it in a little bit and maybe see how other people are because obviously everyone's different right like I know moms who who aren't faced by those around them so they'll be like this is my thing these are my kids I need to do what's right for them what other people say just does not bother me I'll just do what I need to do but then on the flip side you have moms who are like completely the other way where it'll be like no if I say anything then this person's going to get offended or that person's going to be offended and as a result they end up not doing you know what works for them and they'll kind of just give in to all this outside pressure. So, I mean, how do you kind of manage that? It is, it is different. So we all come with our different resiliences and different abilities. But if you always go back to the simple thing of whatever decision you've made, you have to accept the consequence. If you've chosen to not give a toss about what other people are around, know that people's reaction to you is going to maybe be a bit short or a bit more dismissive of you and they may not be involving you more, right? Or the other flip side, that everybody will, on the face value will um, be like, oh, I'm doing this, and look how considerate she is, and all this shh, you can tell I'm which direction I am. <laughs> you know, oh, that's amazing. But you have to accept the consequence. Yeah. Whether it's halfway house or fully let go of what you really want, then recognize that that's your choice, and you have to accept the consequence. Mm. But if you want to try and push back, I guess that comes is going to come with practice. Yeah, yeah, somebody may want to, they just don't know how to, right? So that's where then they need the external support. I think the other part is that we forget is asking for help. Yeah, it's a huge one, right? Somebody who's never, ever, ever done anything for themselves and they've always done for everybody else may not be the reality, fact. It might be what they feel and think and how they feel they are. They, their version for them Mm. it's not for me to say to them no that's not true if they feel that way then that's true in their world that's true right to learn to be able to do the complete opposite takes that external person to come in to support you that's why you have coaches you have counselors you have therapists you have family you have confidence you have you don't have to pay for it you don't have to always it's that other person who's neutral to you to help you on that journey that is very foreign to you uncomfortable to you and I think you know knowing what you want clearly and whether you have the capacity to do it then gives you the opportunity do I need to seek out help or can I do this by myself slowly Mm. yeah I think you have to understand that and talk about it but I think the first thing is talk about it and then there's always going to be somebody who's got something to say yeah always yeah 100% truth (laughs) so what difference does it make for me and that's how simple it is in my in my head but that's not the case for everybody and somebody yeah. else has to be taken on that journey and what that then unfolds like they may always want to be the halfway house to compromise I'll take a little bit and it's a win-win situation that, that we say in business too. and that might be an acceptable 
But ultimately, you have to accept the decision you make. And like you said, own it. With your kids, their world, those decisions they're making, you know, culturally before, what did our parents used to do? Maybe they protected you. They didn't let you get exposed to some X, Y, and Z. And therefore never had to learn consequence and that's why culturally now it's such a battle because as individuals and adults our upbringing was we were never exposed to it so we were never allowed to own it how amazing is it that you're saying to your child that go ahead make that decision you want to climb that chair and tip it over I'm here to make sure that you don't crack your head open mate but you can carry on and doing it but just know the consequence is you're going to hurt yourself potentially is that okay with you fine go ahead with it and it sounds really harsh But it isn't because they're making that decision. They're having the ability to choose. And when we talk about it and strip it all away, it's your lack of ability to choose is what we struggle with when that control is taken over from you. And, and, you know, that's amazing that you can do that with your kids. But also it's this thing that the, I don't think like our parents' generation or even their, their, like when they were growing up, I don't think they were even asked I don't even think they were like, I don't even even think they had a choice. It was just like, right, you're going to sit on this chair and you're going to watch this and you're going to do this. Yeah. You're going to eat at this time. And this is the food. I I remember like I've grown up in an extended family and it was this thing that until you finished everything, you're not getting up. We don't have that now. Now it's like, okay, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat today? You know, like, and I think that's how society has evolved. Now people are questioning things like, you know, even when it comes to like religion, for example, I don't think my parents ever questioned anything whereas our generation we're questioning everything and unless we get the question the answers to the question we're like that's it why am I doing this why am I doing this do you know what I mean like I don't think anyone even had that opportunity like back in the day but now the fact that the modern mother as we as I like to call it it's completely changed so we can't we can't expect to use the same tools like say our parents did because it's not that same society. It's not that same parenting. I think some other stuff you can draw from it, but I think the way we handle situations is very different today. And, and you know, this generation of moms, I think is probably, I would probably say is the most difficult because yeah. you're not quite got rid of all of that told culture, yeah, dictated culture, if you like. And I'm, you know, I'm being very like, simplifying it's a lot more complex than that and this expressive um um, curious culture i think the moms in this world coming you know last 10 years going into the next five ten years that's going to be the difficult stage because we haven't experienced this world before we're just touching on the surface of it and this one has been drummed into us right and it's navigating that what is an appropriate balance and then obviously the next generation will be having a different weighted balance and I think I think as parents right now we've got a pretty tough job because um like I said your influence is far less um and also the culture is changing yeah yeah and so unless we can respect what others have been going through or are going through you can't simply understand why they've made the decision they have there is no right or wrong parenting right and I say this and I mean this I'm not saying I don't advocate for violence or anything like that I'm not saying that but people do things based on all the things that they've experienced if you went through somebody else's journey letter by letter exactly how they have 
experienced, gone through, thought through everything, you're probably going to end up making the same decision that they've just made, that you are disagreeing with necessarily. And that's what we've got to remember. We don't have to agree with the action somebody's taken, but we have to respect that this person's been on their own unique individual journey that you can never say you understand because you haven't taken every single step in their life. And that's why as parents, if we could just simply take that, you will take away so much pressure and comparison that we put ourselves through. They are doing the best they can with what they have. Yeah. And I am doing the best I can with what I have. I think and all mothers need to understand that because although we're all in the same society, today's you know, modern mother, we're all still, you know, I still get it from like other mothers. They'll be like, oh, so-and-so should have done this with their child, so-and-so. And it's like, so what? Like they're, they're, they're parenting their child the way they want to. Why does that make a difference? Like let them do what they need to do. You do what you need to do. But we still see it. But we do it because it then neglects us from having to look up, internalize what we're doing. We can almost say, you know, this whole compact, oh, you know, oh, when did your child start walking? My child started walking at this one. It's like, you know what? Like, I get that, but they did it because they were ready when they did it. And you did it when you were ready to do it. What that time for you looks like makes, should make no difference. But yeah. we can't help ourselves and do that. And where does that come from? Our parents, they, they, you have that comparison mindset. Bellini chokri, I'm kairu. This girl did this. Anna chokra, I'm kairu. Oh, and it's a doctor. And, and it's just undue pressure. Yeah. Right? And that's no fault of their own because that's the culture they've been brought up in. And they can't help but use that language because that's all they've ever done for the last 60 odd plus years. But it's being able to find that boundary and sort of say, no, 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 no. You know, mom, dad, I don't want you to be having that conversation with um, look Dean's doing this or Tiana's doing this no mom dad you've got to stop doing that they're doing what they've got to do and you it sounds stupid because they're only three and four my kids and then you're thinking well actually why does it make a difference what they're saying but they're hearing this and it's the hearing and repetition of that thought process and that way of thinking and that way of approach is what's going to harm them when they get older mm. and that's what we're forgetting you might say oh they're only little kid what do they understand oh and, and, and everything they understand actually, this, this, this generation seems to be so advanced like I was saying like my my son he's going to be nine like in a, in a few days and the kind of stuff that he comes out with like it makes me wonder like this guy knows so much more than I know like he's in, got an opinion yeah. and I mean I get told off sometimes my my four-year-old you know but I always say to her you know Sianna you're allowed to give me permission if mummy's shouting at you you are allowed to say to mummy, mummy, stop shouting at me and then I will talk to you. And that's what I will say to her. And she repeats it back to me. That's okay. Because what you're doing is you're keeping the open forum, which in this world, I think needs to happen, that they can articulate however horrible thing that is going through the head, they feel comfortable enough to talk about it. Because look at so much stuff happening in the world, right? So many people are not able to have that voice and that's what's stopping them from being able to support that they need i want to make sure that if they're well not well educated or whatever whatever the education qualification is if they have the ability to be able to talk to me and tell me what is going on in their world good bad or indifferent mm -hmm. i'll take that yeah because then i know i can help and i think that that just shows your relationship as well like i have the same thing with my kids i have this thing before bed we all sit down and before they go into bed, we'll just talk about their day. We'll talk about what they felt, all that kind of stuff. And 
like I always get told off for it like my husband's always saying why are you doing it just before bed like you're making them think about all this stuff before bed but it's like it's it's the time where they probably feel the safest because they're going into bed you know they've got that one-on-one time there's nothing else really going on and it's the time they literally open up to me and it's amazing the amount of stuff that they come out with like the smallest thing that I've probably missed in the day they'll tell me about it or this this happened or so and so made a comment and I didn't like that or and it just goes to show that relationship like I don't I've always said it to them I don't want that mother daughter mother son relationship with them I want to be the friend so if at any point they are going through anything no matter how small they need to understand that they can come to me about anything and I think I've had this from day one so even like my three-year-old we sit down and we have these conversations with my three-year-old and she will she'll come up with the randomest things but it, it I think it's it's a good thing to start with like the next generation because it does get them talking and there's nothing better than opening dialogue about like what we're trying to do with this like we're trying to talk about things that not necessarily everyone talks about because they feel that they can't or they feel they shouldn't because it'll upset the balance but the fact that you you are talking about it means that you care about it you want to change but but Raki you know when you strip this back all those moments that you have can only happen if you as the mum is present and you are well in yourself you're yeah. doing it. This is your forte, right? You are really, your journey is what's brought you to us doing this podcast today. Yeah, definitely. Right? So you have the headspace for it. You have that complete awareness and it's in your consciousness, you know, and you and subconscious uh, way of thinking. Um, but, you know, this is where it strips it back as, as, as a mom, or as a parent, whatever. You, you, that can only happen if you are feeling well in yourself. Yeah. And there will be days where you're like, just get into bed. I don't want to talk. Just yeah. go to sleep and I'm going. Right? And those yeah. days will happen and that's okay. But that constant, this we talk about this journey. It's not an ending journey. It's constant. It's, it's stop worrying about the end goal. Just think yeah. about your journey. Yeah. Um, and as a mom, ask yourself the question, if anything, anyone goes away from today is, what am I doing for me on a absolute core level? What's filling my cup up, whether that's every day for 10 minutes or if it's once a day, once a week, once, what, what am I doing to fill my cup up? Yeah. Because unless you start practicing that at some point, you will hit your version of the toughest part of your life. Um, and that's OK, because that has its own learning. Um, but if you can kind of minimize that impact and, and with, with, with the platform you're creating to share those stories um then that's that's ace right on that note i um i just want to thank you for coming on the podcast it's amazing that you're able to bring so much insight um and just articulate exactly how we all feel our day-to-day struggles you've just literally put it plain and simple no frills and i love that i love that that we can just have this conversation and it's been easy it's not been like oh i've got to think about what yeah because it's just flowed we've just kind of just gone with it and it's a bit too much (laughs) but it's amazing it's amazing that we can connect this way and that's the whole reason why this podcast was created so that we can have these conversations but at the same time it's not not so like formal you know because when when i speak to other moms um generally this is how I speak to them like we have this candid kind of conversation you know we just talk it just flows and it's a vibe and I feel that I've had that with you so thank you so much no, uh, absolute pleasure. do you want to just finish off by just telling us how people can get in contact with you yeah sure um I'm on Instagram under ripple top she's got a website um emails on there I would only say if you whenever you reach out for help 
make sure it's the right person for you. I am not everyone's cup of tea and there will be other people who will be just up your street. So you've got, again, choose the right person for you. And that's not always necessarily the person that you are like. Sometimes having the opposite version of you is where you, it can move you as well. So like I said, any questions, Ripple Touch is the business name. Just shout out, you know, get in touch. Yeah.